Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk, where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about the life cycles of people, places, and things. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And Sarah, I'm going to take you on a little journey as to how I got to this topic. Fantastic. It's it's totally unrelated to the topic. Uh, So I saw a hidden image cake on Twitter with a, a, what you do with a hidden image cake is you cut out pieces of baked cake with a cookie cutter and then you stack them in a cake pan and then you pour uncooked cake batter around it and then bake the cake again and so the cookie cutter image of the first cake is hidden within the second cake what Uh, they're they're really neat yeah uh and i saw one that had a bigfoot in it so it was a cryptid cake which is really cool so it's a bigfoot chocolate cake shape inside a vanilla cake that's right up your alley there exactly and i (laughs) I commented how cool and then uh, somebody else commented how to even do this and I explained it and uh, then they suggested that I document the process Uh, and then I went ahead and decided to find a cryptid cookie cutter because I've already done an episode on Bigfoot. The Bigfoot cookie cutters except for one that was like $30 and I'm not I'm not paying $30 for a cookie cutter uh, were really um, not detailed. But I found one that was a Godzilla cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's cryptid-ish. And then I was like, well, why don't I do an episode on where Godzilla goes? And I also made a cake, a green cake, to try to do this. And then uh, used a pistachio flavoring from Loran's Flavors, which are uh, it's the company that makes all the little candy oils that you can get at like Michael's and stuff. And it was disgusting. So, Aww, and then oh I no. used I used up all my flour, so I don't have any flour, so I can't make a cake. So there's no cake with this story <laughs> yet. There will be because I have the cookie cutters. I have a Godzilla foot and a Godzilla monster mm-hmm. uh, cookie cutter. And so I have never seen a Godzilla movie in my life. I didn't even see the 1998 one that everyone hated, uh, the American one that got all that Taco Bell advertising. Do you remember? I remember the advertising and I know I saw the movie, but I didn't like it so much that I've blocked it from my memory. Yeah, most people have. It, like <laughs> I read the I read the synopsis and I was like, this is a mess and I'm I'm just reading a synopsis and it's a mess. <laughs> right. Um, I remember the Taco Bell Chihuahua, which I think is voiced by Carlos Alazraki. That's what I remember about this is Matthew Broderick was inexplicably in it as the lead in <gasps> in a an action movie, and also the Taco Bell dog calling for Godzilla for the Taco Bell advertisements. I'm having memories now that you're saying Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I was like, why is Ferris Bueller in Godzilla? I know. <laughs> I don't think he's a bad actor. I just don't think that makes any sense. I guess they were probably somehow trying to bank on his war games history. Do you remember he was in the movie War Games? Oh, like yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. 1980-whatever. And yeah. then he was also in Godzilla. He's got a fascinating filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That's the extent. That was the extent of my knowledge about Godzilla until four days ago. 
Um, <laughs> nice. So here is my very fresh eyes on Godzilla. Uh, and I read a lot of articles about it. I wanted to watch the movie and my child refused. So I'll see if I can bribe her into doing that later today. Uh, but Godzilla was introduced in 1954 and as part of the kaiju movie genre or giant monster movie. And Godzilla was not the first kaiju. It's, I think it's usually a he, although in the 1998 one, it was a she. Uh, because it had laid eggs or something. Yeah, but also reproduced asexually, but was also like, there was a pregnancy test involved. What? Yeah, they gave the lizard a pregnancy test, which doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm no I'm no herpetologist and I'm no um, cryptid herpetologist. I'm no obstetrician, but I don't think that makes any sense. But anyway, kaiju can refer to the monster itself and the film genre, um, kind of like a slasher film. You you say slasher film, you know that there's probably a slasher in it, but it's you refer to the slasher as a slasher. The slasher film is the movie. Anyway. So Godzilla, or original name Gojira, is a giant sea monster born of nuclear energy. It's dinosaur-esque. It kind of looks like an iguanodon, but like a really violent one. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of got iguanodon hands and a, an iguanodon build. And in the 50s, it was understood, so this is very much pre-Jurassic Park, that... Tyrannosaurus rexes were like slow and kind of thudded on the ground and they drag their tails and stuff. So it, it, the sort of Godzilla posture is akin to what was sort of understood or thought about dinosaurs at the time. Godzilla has nuclear breath or atomic breath and it can melt and destroy things with its breath. It's super strong, enormous, sometimes called the god of monsters. I think that was an American... Uh, term uh, sometimes also called daikaiju and that one I saw as a translation of a great curse so kaiju would be curse and daikaiju would be great curse presumably when you think about 1954 and Japan it makes an awful lot of sense that the uh, monster would be born of exposure to nuclear radiation and aside from the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki done by the United States military, the United States military also conducted a nuclear test on Bikini Atoll and exposed an entire Japanese fishing crew to nuclear fallout. Like, very thorough exposure, Chernobyl crew levels of exposure. And so that was a major news item in 1954, and it's actually referenced in the first Godzilla movie. Uh, and it became sort of an indelible component of the spirit of the times, the the lucky dragon fishing crew being sort of negligently exposed by the U.S. military to radiation, the atomic bombing of Japan by the United States. And then there's also um, incorporated into later movies, uh, Russian nuclear exposure. And so what I, and then there's also the incorporation of Japan using nuclear radiation in later movies. So it's a very interesting both intentionally and unintentionally, uh, the Godzilla genre has become a very interesting sort of underlying, it's a sort of a bellwether as to how people are dealing with and understanding nuclear power. Yeah, I was just going to say that. If you remember uh, 
in the 80s, there was all those people that were like anti-nukes and I can't hug my kids with nuclear arms kind of thing. Yeah. So it definitely seems like a sociological uh, commentary on the society at large's like uh, experiences and thoughts about nuclear power. It's interesting. Definitely. And if you look at the different eras and what the movies, how the movies engage with nuclear power, it's, uh, it's, it's very much of the times. That's why I brought yeah. up sort of spirit of the times. So there have been at least 34 live action movies. In my notes, it says 32, but I saw 34 mentioned as well in three distinct eras, plus the 1998 U.S. adaptation starring Matthew Broderick. That one was kind of taken completely out of <laughs> everything it's got a different (laughs) origin story i think there's a follow-up movie where where the real godzilla fights the godzilla from that movie uh so there's the showa era 1954 to 1975 the heisei era 1984 to 1995 and then the millennium era so 2002 now and i say to now because there was just a movie released godzilla versus kong or where was it king kong i think it's godzilla versus kong uh and so it's the most recent Godzilla movie, and there's been sort of a revamp of Godzilla movies. There's been like four released since 2014, which I didn't actually know. Mm-hmm. But I also pay very little attention to what movies are released. Like, obviously, I am not the movie buff that this discussion is going to make me seem like I am. <laughs> and I think that's kind of interesting in that there have actually been an escalation of tensions about nuclear weapons use, particularly with regards to North Korea uh, threatening everybody that they can with nuclear weaponry. So it's an interesting, it's interesting that that has coincided and I don't know if it's full on causation or just a correlation, uh, but it is more on people's minds than it has been in let's say the past 20 years. So let's talk about, I'm going to talk mostly about the actual Godzilla monster itself. There are some very adept histories of the Toho studio, which is the studio that uh, created most of these movies, not all of them, but a lot of them. And there are lots of interesting discussions about the, um, the special effects because they, even though it looks to our eyes so used to like smooth cgi uh a little like this is a wobbly rubbery suit uh for the time and also just for film in general for practical effects i think they're super impressive and they get they become more impressive the practical effects in general are extraordinarily impressive in my opinion particularly in the showa and the heisei eras and then the millennium era not as much in the way of practical effects, a lot of computer generated images, which isn't necessarily a criticism, but because it's happening year 2000 to now, which is a 21 year span, there's been a, there's a big difference between like what the 1998 movie looked like, which isn't even included in the millennium era (laughs) and what Godzilla versus Kong looked like. And Godzilla versus Kong is technically like it, it was it's available for streaming now. I think it, it was probably released in some theaters, but it's it's I'm not going to say it's a home video, but we're we're leading back into the home video world. And so for the sophistication of the images in that movie, 
uh, for something that you can just stream in your house right now, like the day it was released as a movie, is pretty interesting. So let's go way back to 1954. In, in the Showa-era stories... The U.S. nuclear testing in the Pacific mutates a reptilian sea creature. And later we find out it's one of a f- at least a few, but not, a, a, not many, thousands of years old sea creatures that also live on an island. So they're amphibious, I guess. And it becomes an enormous, angry, nigh-unstoppable murder force. And it's <laughs> bent on destroying Japan. And it's kind of a metaphor because it's kind of bent on destroying the, the entire world. But Japan is the most geographically convenient at the time. And Godzilla is able to re-up his power from crashing into power lines, but only up to a certain point. And also, apparently, King Kong is able to do this. Because there's also been a Godzilla versus Kong movie in the past, in like 1950, I want to say seven. So Godzilla and King Kong go way back. Uh, the reason that Godzilla has such like weird, bumpy skin is actually intended to mimic the keloid scars that people exposed to radiation can develop. So it's like a very visually explicit, this is, an, this is an irradiated creature. And the atomic blast destruction that uh, Godzilla can create is specifically modeled on the destruction patterns in Hiroshima that Ishiro huh. Honda, yeah, Ishiro Honda was the director of a lot of these. And he witnessed firsthand the destruction in Hiroshima because he was in the military uh, and he did not witness firsthand the immediate destruction. Like he was not bombed. He was not like that one guy that was in Hiroshima and then went to Nagasaki and got bombed both places. Uh, So, but Ishiro Honda witnessed the, the aftermath firsthand. And so he very much modeled what, particularly Godzilla's early destruction looked like on actual nuclear destruction. Wow. Now, so this is where, this is Godzilla's first origin story. And uh, these original stories were actually released in America a few years later, edited. And so 16 minutes were removed from the movie. They they were considered unnecessary film. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and Raymond Burr, an American actor, as a journalist, was added in, just like cut in to like, like he, so that it was sort of seamless in the story. And the unedited version, the actual original Japanese version, was only made away, available to Western audiences in 2004. Oh, which, interesting. Which I think says a lot, and I don't know why 2004, but I think it says a lot about our understanding of Godzilla as a movie monster and our understanding of America within the sphere of nuclear destruction and irresponsible nuclear behavior. Like it's highly probable since the lucky dragon exposure, this, this fishing boat exposure was in 1954. They didn't really want in 1956, anybody asking questions about stuff like that and whether it was Americans that did it or not. Uh, and I'm wondering if 2004 was far enough away from like the duck and cover drills that kids had to do in the eighties. Yeah. And there was not a much, and, and then sort of 
far enough away from the current sort of slightly tense climate around Iran and nuclear enrichment and North Korea and nuclear enrichment. Yeah, I just realized the Iran agreements also coincide with the resurgence of Godzilla movies. Fascinating. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I had never realized this until you talked about it. And I'm going in my mind as you're talking like, that's insane. Wow. Well, and Interesting. If you, yeah, if you think about the, so 1954 to 1975, and they kind of ran out of steam, and then they started a new era in 1984, which was rock-solid Cold War, start of lots of threats. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what year Chernobyl was in. I don't either. We did a great episode on it. You did. Yeah. Oh, 1986. Yeah. So that might have been why that, that era ran for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was actually before the Chernobyl disaster that uh, there was sort of a, a reintegration or a reboot of Godzilla. So where does Godzilla go? Other than in America to be edited heavily until 2004. Uh, <laughs> so in the first movie, Godzilla dies from a, t- a weapon called an oxygen destroyer. And that's actually reintegrated into the Godzilla and Kong, a monster verse that's going on now with the Kong Skull Island and the 19... 19- or- 2014 Godzilla movie and the current Godzilla movie that's out now, the Oxygen Destroyers mentioned, I think. But then in the second movie, it reveals that a second Godzilla was created by nuclear fallout and they just were hanging out on an island that is sometimes called Infant Island, sometimes called Birth Island. And then there's also Mecha Godzilla, which is one of the many kaiju that Godzilla fights. And Mechagodzilla is sent from aliens to Earth. And I'm bringing up aliens right now because aliens play a big part in the Godzilla story. And Godzilla takes issue with Mechagodzilla. And there had been a previous Mechakong as well. Uh, and I'm mentioning Mechagodzilla now because Mechagodzilla will come back into the story later <laughs> in directly... In reference to Godzilla. So in Godzilla movies, especially in the Showa era, Godzilla would either die, maybe die, but nobody knew, like get buried for a while, uh, walk into the sea, or go back to an island. And it was either Monster Island, and I think that's in the Heisei era, or uh, Birth Island, which is where Godzilla was originally from. And in the Heisei era, so that's, this is starting in 1984, we learn a little bit more about the Godzilla uh, backstory, that a benevolent Godzilla-saurus, so a dinosaur, rescues Japanese soldiers from the U.S. military in 1994, or 1944, not 1994, on an island. This is likely the animal that becomes Godzilla. So this ties Godzilla even more thoroughly into Japanese history in, in this in this fictional story of being benevolent to the Japanese in 1944, being mutated by the United States government, military action, and then attacking Japan. And unfortunately for Godzilla, in 1944, in, in one of these Heisei-era stories, aliens go back in time to get rid of the Godzilla-saurus and prevent him from being exposed to U.S. nuclear testing. And then Japan... In, this, in these stories, decides that the King Ghidorah, which is like a, it's like a hydra. It's got three heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they decide that these other mutated creatures in 1954 are worse than Godzilla. And so they intentionally create Godzilla. So they have a memory from the 1954 Godzilla that they ended up killing of Godzilla existing. And then they've got a memory of this island with the Godzillasaurus. And then it turns out that they once they've found the Godzillasaurus to expose Godzillasaurus to radiation to intentionally create Godzilla, so using nuclear machinery, uh, Godzillasaurus had already found a Russian sub that had foundered and was leaking nuclear radiation and had some nuclear exposure. So the double dose of radiation made Godzilla ultra strong. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's again in I think in what are considered sort of pulpy B movies a very elegant discussion about the hazards of using nuclear energy because it's useful to them because the alternative is this King Ghidorah which is another mutated creature that was created by nuclear energy are, they're worse than Godzilla, so we might as well make Godzilla. But Godzilla's already been exposed to nuclear energy, and we didn't know that, so we don't have full control over the whole, over the whole experience that we're having here with Godzilla and, by proxy, uh, nuclear energy. <laughs> In this era, also the U.S. military rebuilds Mecha Godzilla. Uh, yeah, why not? Um, and this is also where Baby Godzilla is introduced. So what? there's yes, yeah, so there's a there's a baby Godzilla that is not a direct descendant of the Godzilla in this era. It's called also called Minilla and probably from Mini Illa. Godzilla, yeah. yeah. Mini Godzilla. And they use the Mini Godzilla as a lure for the adult Godzilla and there are like children that are psychic. There's a child that is like psychically linked through dreams to this mini Godzilla. Okay, and I remember this. Yeah, you may have seen this one because this one there was one that was like very much is very much for kids. Obviously, like the kid is the protagonist, and then at one point Godzilla is imprisoned in a volcano. At another point, Godzilla melts down under their own nuclear power. Which is the oh. second definitive Godzilla death. So there was a first Godzilla death. There was another Godzilla that that was made and then attacked Japan again. So this Godzilla is now also dead. And then Godzilla Jr. becomes the new Godzilla. <laughs> so it's kind of like this weird sort of beehive behavior where once the queen is dead, a new, uh, a new bee becomes the queen. And so this is sort of the evolution Godzilla is going through. There's more, there's mecha Godzillas that are being rebuilt. Uh, this one, so the first one was an alien thing. The second one is from King Ghidorah, which is a, a nuclear m mutated thing that the aliens replaced. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've got, now we're, now we're into like 1995. And so we've got baby God that we've got a third Godzilla Two have sort of definitively died, but yet. So. In, and now we're to the 1998 American Godzilla with a totally, different, totally different origin story. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't even a Godzilla. It doesn't even make sense. An iguana from Polynesia gets hit by radiation and evolves over 30 years to a 
uh, terror that somehow gets to New York City. Okay. And they find it in the West Indies at some point. So, you know, around the Caribbean. But that's nowhere near Polynesia. And there's a big old landmass in between, unless it went around like the, the Cape of Good Hope. Which it might have. I don't know. Iguanas can swim. Uh, Who knows what nuclear iguanas do, you know? I mean, you make a good point. (laughs) This story included eggs and baby Godzillas, and the United States Air Force kills all the baby Godzillas and the adult Godzilla, but one baby survives. And that's the end of the movie. Spoiler alert for this almost 30-year-old movie. Uh Everyone hated this. So Toho went ahead and had this Godzilla face off with another, like the real one in some movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody revisited the 1998 Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is just a thing that happened. And I think it, I think it's actually says a lot that in 1998, we were far enough away from, uh, nuclear concerns that it just wasn't very interesting to people also the movie right. just doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense uh not that i remember i remember matthew broderick and that's about it yeah i and remember this is the one with, commercials and this is the one with the pregnancy test yes okay i mildly remember that but that's about it but only because you mentioned it yeah well and it's just absurd <laughs> It is absurd. Like, I don't even know how you pregnancy test an iguana, but I doubt it's like uh, the clear blue easy kind of, sh- kind <laughs> exactly. of shit that people do. <laughs> so here we are. All the Godzillas are dead, except for Godzilla Jr., who's now Godzilla. That's where we've landed. Mechagodzilla was rebuilt, uh, but probably destroyed. So we're in the millennium era now. And the Millennium Era starts with a, mo- a movie that's a continuation of the 1954 Godzilla. And it's a, it's a pretty evil monster. There, there's a lot of fluctuation between is Godzilla helping humans? Is Godzilla helping Godzilla? Is Godzilla destroying these other kaiju? Because they want to be the only one. Uh, so it's, it's sort of a mixed motivation in this whole series, in this whole lore. And in this one, Godzilla is considered an evil monster and wants to destroy Japan. Uh, And he does die in this movie, but the body becomes possessed by the souls of those who died in World War II, which I think is very fitting. And then the Japan Self-Defense Forces rebuild Mechagodzilla from the bones of the original Godzilla. It remembers being a regular Godzilla and humans lose control. And that's why I brought up Mechagodzilla a couple times. So Mechagodzilla starts fighting regular Godzilla, who is possessed by the souls of those who died in World War II. And the original one remembers is possessed by the original Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) And at different points in these movies, Godzilla falls into the sea while fighting Mechagodzilla, kind of an indeterminate, maybe dead or destroys Mechagodzilla. Uh, the alien backstory and the Godzilla skeleton backstory sort of entwine here. And then the 2014 movie, which is bringing in... Um, this is this is bringing in more American influence again, but like pretending 1998 didn't happen. Uh, it brings <laughs> the lore back in that nuclear testing created the first Godzilla, 
but that it was an attempt by the U.S. military to destroy it and that Godzilla is actually thousands of years old. So this is a, a, a rotation of the nuclear origin story. And it makes sense that, you know, once the United States is more involved in these films, that they would be um, spinning the origin of Godzilla. And so with that movie, it brings in sort of some of the lore of Birth Island from the original stories. And then like also it makes some sense in that in 1944, a godzilla could have rescued Japanese sailors. But then it brings in like, oh, the United States military is here to help. Uh, but then Godzilla is pretty destructive in that movie, too. Then Shin Godzilla, which is a Japanese-produced film and uh, considered quite a spectacular film, like quite violent and really, really gripping visuals, like Godzilla mm-hmm. becomes very frightening. It eliminates the nuclear testing angle directly, but Godzilla is exposed to nuclear waste in the ocean, which for a 2016 movie makes a lot more sense when you think yeah. of like Fukushima and concerns about... Uh, disposal of nuclear waste and what are we doing with this and are we actually managing these processes correctly right and then this godzilla goes through several iterations it's like an eel-like creature at first and then becomes the final godzilla that we know and love who has like radioactive blood and everything so now we're to the point where uh, godzilla who has been in a long-standing rivalry with king kong and presumably because King Kong is another kaiju and they just don't like each other. Uh, They're like cats. Yeah, it seems to be sort of the extent of the difficulty here. And now Godzilla fights King Kong. And I believe, well, I shouldn't spoil the, the movie that's out. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. They're in a rivalry. So Sarah, can you tell who Godzilla is for and against? In this story that I've just told you. Godzilla is for Godzilla. It sure seems like it. <laughs> Godzilla is against uh, other kaiju and sometimes Japanese people. Yeah. So sometimes Godzilla is for the destruction of humanity. Sometimes Godzilla is looking to destroy titans or extraterrestrial mechs or extraterrestrial like Godzilla is at one point taken to another planet, planet X, and the Exians ask Japan to borrow Godzilla, and then they borrow Godzilla, and Godzilla fights King Ghidorah on planet X, and then goes back to Earth. That's a big ship if you're carting around Godzilla, I'm just right. going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Godzilla goes a lot of places. This is a well-traveled movie monster. Godzilla is the Barbie of kaiju. <laughs> Godzilla absolutely is. A parent, a mentor, uh, a space traveler, a, a, a titan fighter? I don't know. <laughs> uh, a pro wrestler? There are a lot of like friends of Godzilla that Godzilla usually starts off by fighting and then teams up with mothra is a good example Mm -hmm. who also dies a lot mothra dies a lot uh and (laughs) so godzilla fights mothra the first time mothra is introduced but mothra can talk to godzilla and so she is used as an emissary quite a few times and there are also these twins who 
are the Mothra twins that like talk to Mothra to get Mothra to talk to Godzilla. And they're these two women who were uh, identical twins who were also singers. They they went by the, the stage name The Peanuts, which is really cute. And uh, they were the Mothra twins. And then there's also like King Ghidorah, which I've mentioned before as like an antagonist and like the, the material for a mecha Godzilla and things like that. Sometimes Godzilla's teaming up with King Ghidorah to fight something else. Sometimes Godzilla's fighting King Kong. And then, so Godzilla has children adopted and actual. Uh, so Manila is in the son of Godzilla and is not actually the son of Godzilla. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so Manila is like a nephew, I guess, and is brought in to tempt Godzilla with its psychic cries. And then hmm. Godzilla becomes a mentor to Manila and then becomes <laughs> uh, like helps Manila build up their Godzilla self-esteem because there's a bully monster and, and Godzilla kicks the crap out of it. And then Manila trains to become a better fighter. And this is presumably all on Birth Island, because that's kind of where Godzilla lives. Although there's also a monster island at some point. And this is in... So the Birth Island is more the Showa era. And then in the Heisei era, there's a monster island where a lot of titans are sent and a lot of monsters are sent to sort of like separate them from humanity and also separate humanity from them. So like everybody's leaving everybody alone. And then there's Godzilla Jr., uh, which who's in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and Godzilla versus Destoroya. And Godzilla versus Destoroya is the one where Godzilla melts down <laughs> and destroys itself, and then Godzilla Jr. becomes Godzilla. <laughs> what? I think I'm having a really hard time following like all the Godzillas. It's extraordinarily complicated. <laughs> I'm going to do a, a little summary here for you. So Godzilla dies in the first movie. Okay, Godzilla dies. There's another Godzilla. Godzilla fights a lot, makes friends, and then also dies okay. in like 1995. Godzilla's dead twice now. Godzilla's got a kid. That becomes the new Godzilla. This okay. new Godzilla fights, make friend, makes friends, uh, is not yet dead. And then there are other Godzillas that come in here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are other animals that come in that are like Godzilla's buddy. And the backstory is built on in ways that don't necessarily make sense <laughs> altogether, but, you know, separately, maybe. And really, I mostly I wanted to sort of emphasize the theme that like where Godzilla goes is wherever humanity's sort of thoughts on nuclear energy use, including in weaponry. I'm saying nuclear energy because when we use nuclear weapons, we're using nuclear energy. It's just for weapons versus for power generation or whatever. And like being... Uh haunted by the ghosts by the souls of the 
dead Japanese soldiers from uh, World War II. That's fascinating. What year was that? Was in the 90s? It was in the 90s, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing because it's far enough oh, away no, from it's, World it's War II. It's in the 2000s, I'm sorry. Okay, that makes sense because uh, we've started to have a larger, broader conversation about the past and how people were treated um, and uh, like the different things that have happened as far as race and and war and uh, how people from different races have been treated uh, over time. So it's it's interesting that it's coming in then because of the whole conversation around uh, other people and how we treat each other. Well, and one thing that's occurring to me, even though a lot of Japanese people have longer lifespans than almost anyone else on the planet, a lot of people who were alive during World War II as adults are now dead. Mm-hmm. And we're, di- we're dying or dead in 2000. So wanting to remember that by saying that these people's memories are not gone. Right. And they're, in fact, like capable of destroying us is important. Yeah. And we got to learn from history. I could, I could definitely see that. And I, I agree with you that it's when we started talking about things. And I think governments also started admitting things. Right. Exactly. So it became something you could talk about and have some factual backing versus just like oh that's just your experience or oh i don't believe you or oh keep quiet about it right so yeah godzilla is a metaphor and i think a surprisingly elegant one for one that's become kind of i mean it's becoming i think less of a joke because people were really excited about this godzilla versus king kong movie even though they nobody had any idea what it was about it's just like monster fights but uh there is an underlying message whether or not it's elegantly communicated uh, about our relationship with nuclear energy and our military past and present. Interesting. And there's a Blue Oyster Cult song called Godzilla. And it is truly (laughs) just about Godzilla. Uh, (laughs) It is not not in any way a metaphor. It's a song about the Godzilla movies. (laughs) And... It has been stuck in my head for a week. Oh, wow. I actually love that song. So, yeah, I feel it. So, go ahead. so uh, I remember and this may be the Mothra one because I've only seen a couple actual Godzilla movies mm-hmm. um, where the Mothra twins talk to Mothra and Mothra talks to Godzilla to defend people like yes at points godzilla is like the defender of japan yes absolutely and it's usually when japan will usually invite or create because at one point when the aliens go back and retcon that godzilla doesn't exist and Ghidorah exists instead they're like Ghidorah sucks godzilla wasn't as bad and so they make a (laughs) godzilla okay yeah i remember you saying that earlier and i was like does see because that's probably the only Godzilla movie besides a Matthew Broderick one that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I had always assumed that Godzilla was like friend of Japan after a while. Like they had figured out how to like team up with Godzilla. And they kind of did. And there was sort of like, there's sort of, it seems like they're sort of stalemates. And this is the second Godzilla. You got to remember Mothra talks to Godzilla too. The first one just died. Okay. Although there's also some implication that it didn't and just got buried in ice. It's very... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's complex. Uh, 
And so it is, like I said, it is complicated what Godzilla's motivation actually is and whether uh, Godzilla is friend or foe of humanity, which Mm -hmm. fits in very nicely with the metaphor of nuclear power, honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was a, there was it a Titan or something like that? There was a kaiju movie into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I went to go see it in the theater. And I'm glad I did because it was pretty awesome in the theater. Um, but I I feel like Godzilla was briefly in it. Like there was like this wormhole and the kaiju were coming from the wormhole and they had to close up the wormhole like so that the kaiju would stop coming through and i feel like godzilla was in there somewhere but maybe uh, not entirely possible in in that godzilla like there's 34 cinematic movies there's two anime movies at least there's a whole comic series so godzilla's been like a big deal, particularly in Japan, but in the whole sort of kaiju movie genre for a long time. Yeah. And so I don't know what movie that is, but Godzilla could easily be a part of it. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to go back and rewatch it because I actually quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I wish I remembered the name of it. But it was basically, there's a, it 2000, there was a wormhole, kaiju were coming through it. People were trying to figure out how to close the hole. And the kaiju were fighting each other. And it was like, cinematically, it was very pretty. Like, mm-hmm. it was fun to watch on a big screen. Um I don't think there's a whole lot of depth to it if you wanted a story, but <laughs> it is what it was, you know? Mm-hmm. I got to rewatch some Godzilla movies now, sounds like. Yeah, I uh, am excited to watch several. I'll probably have more insight on this topic, and I probably should have waited, but I was kind of excited to read these articles about Godzilla. Yeah. And it turns out it's kind of a spaghetti mess anyway, so I don't know that I would have I would have been able to write a better narrative than this. Yeah, I'm really surprised that you could make any kind of sense of all of this story. Like, I was having a hard time following it, and you were explaining it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, <laughs> I was just like, I, yeah, there's so many Godzillas. <laughs> there are. It's... It's fascinating how many Godzillas there have been just within the sort of story of Godzilla. And I think because there are some movies that are very sort of, they're for specific audiences, like uh, uh, the one that has the Manila and the kid who's psychically linked, that's obviously for children. And then... There are ones that are actually, like, I think Mothra was brought in to appeal to women because a lot of women were going to Godzilla movies. And Mm -hmm. so they wanted to introduce the Mothra twins and Mothra and have a female kaiju and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily, like, the high-impact... I mean, they're movies made for necessarily specific audiences. I shouldn't say they're not high impact, but it's, a, you know, there's a kid's movie versus a thoughtful discussion of current nuclear events, which was the first one. And they both have their place, but the kid's movie is where a kid is psychically linked to a baby dinosaur who's getting bullied. Like, it's not um, 
it's not that serious. <laughs> yeah. But it's still part of Godzilla and it's part of Manila's story. So there's movies that are, I'm not going to call them filler. I'm going to call them specific and for specific audiences. And then there are movies that are broader or have a more moralistic story. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And because I'm a sociology nerd and I love commentary on, I love pop culture commentary on uh, the current way things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Godzilla is a commentary <laughs> of the times. Very I love much that. So. And an enduring one. Yes. Like there cool. have been times in like in the the 2008 to 2012 no not I'm thinking of the wrong years um 2012 to 2016 Mm -hmm. and and 08 to 2012 there was a lot of concern about actual like nuclear launches yes particularly from North Korea Mm-hmm. And that sets the stage for movies like Shin Godzilla, which has a different origin story and like a really brutal animal. And then there were also concerns. I remember when the uh, Seth Rogen movie, The Dictator, I think, or no, The Interview came out. Mm-hmm. Like there were serious concerns that North Korea was just going to launch nukes because they were so mad about that movie. Mm-hmm. North Korean government. I should not say that North Korea is a single entity with a coherent consistent thoughts throughout uh there are plenty of people in north korea that think plenty of independent things uh yeah and i don't speak for any of them (laughs) but (laughs) there was serious concern when the interview came out that they were just gonna nuke somebody and so it's it's a very real concern yeah and there's been a resurgence of godzilla movies (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so, I mean, metaphorically, if we think about it, Godzilla really is a friend of humanity because Godzilla is being used to uh, express some deeper feelings in in the culture, in the culture of Japan and the in the US culture and the culture of the of the U.S. and Japan is much closer to North Korea, so I can totally see why they'd be worried about North Korea bombing them. Because I'm pretty sure North Korea has has uh, tested weapons in the sea. Yes, they have. Yeah. So you're entirely correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have totally dismissed Godzilla movies and not like really cared about them. And now I love them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I like an action movie and I like a monster movie. So I think part of it is just I haven't seen and like I'm very not up to date on my movie watching. And mm-hmm. but that's not much of an excuse. Well, it kind of is for the 1954 one because the actual 1954 one wasn't released in the United States till 2004. Wow. And I'm definitely behind all the way back to 2004. So. So I'm wondering if we could watch. So uh, I started doing movies in my backyard. Um, just our neighbors have a projector and we were watching. We watched a movie last week. This mm-hmm. week we're skipping because Mother's Day. But I think one week we should watch a Godzilla movie. That'd be so great. Right. That would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You can find us uh, at com. 
and where does a podcast at gmail.com and you can mm-hmm. listen to us on various and sundry podcast platforms and uh should you be inclined to help us pay hosting fees we have a donation button on our website where does it podcast.com and we have a patreon uh, and you can find links to all of our social media as well on our website and thank you very much thank you bye bye Thank you.